Hi, this is Josh Dion, and I'm so happy to be Ben's guest on Big Fat Five. What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is the incomparable Josh Dion of Paris Monster and a million other things. He's a busy New York cat, and I've wanted to get him on for a long time. He's actually a very requested guest, so I'm happy it finally worked out. If you don't know Josh, he's an independent drummer for more than one reason, and yes, there's a dad joke coming. He's played with so many artists, including John Schofield, Pat Martino, Joe Bonamassa, and many others, but in Paris Monster, he plays drums with his left hand, synth with his right hand, and sings lead vocals. Now that's independence. Okay, so we start off by breaking down a bunch of the songs from his career, and then hop into the five records that shaped him into the extremely unique drummer he is today. This was a lot of fun, and Josh's drumming is superb, to say the least. So, cheers. I spend all this time on something Without breaking for lunch For no other reason than a vision drawn upright If not perfectly written with care and precision It won't take so josh i did want to start off by playing a few songs from your career and you can just tell me where they take you um and a little backstory about it but here is here's the first one okay I've gotten worse over the years. <laughs> dude, I feel the exact oh, same dude. way, dude. I mean, oh my God. Oh, wow. That, <laughs> I'm surprised at how good that is, actually. I'm like, I mean, I remember I remember that band being great. I remember that band being really special to me, uh, you know, uh, especially with like, where I was in my life. Like, that was kind of the first time that I, uh, you know, went out on the road with a band, you know. It was a quartet. They were already established um and and the bass player was a guy named Brian Colleen who I, I went to William Patterson with and he called me one day and said hey Ulu's looking for a drummer and I was basically just like yes like let's do it and and they had all kinds of like kind of improv groove tunes uh you know I was like working on playing in five and playing in seven and, and working on I mean, just I guess, kind of jazz and funk and everything like that. So that's what this band did. So, so I went out with them, kind of a Herbie Hancock Headhunters-ish setup with the saxophone, 
and the multi-analog uh, keyboards and bass and drums with with no vocals really you know so it was kind of a kind of that funk that classic funk jazz sound you know and so we went out and and I was on the road in the van and I fell in love with owning vans and I fell in love with seven and eight hour drives and and uh you know kind of living the life man so and and that 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 album is it sounds good I mean it sounds it sounds like I remember the time before I started to think about time and I, you know, almost ruined myself for a few years just thinking about it too much. Whereas I can remember back then I didn't even know what a metronome marking was when I played on that. So I definitely wasn't thinking about that at all, which sounds so cool. So I, that's inspiring to hear that right now. Maybe I can get back to that. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so you said were you like 21, 22, is it like directly after college? Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it was just, and I remember it was my first time kind of in the jam band scene, and it was like everybody, you know, there was like a list of bands that everybody was really hot on at the moment, it was kind of a hierarchy of like different bands, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. of course, uh, Fish, everybody had a Trey Anastasio poster, you know, or, or Dark Side of the Moon, you know, or, or um, I remember everybody listening to a lot of those and uh, a go-go with Schofield and Vanessa Martin and Wood had come out and, yep. and there was all these bands we used to play with that were amazing. Some of them, you know, Soul Live and, um, and some of these bands had really taken off Lettuce in those bands. I mean, they were all in that scene. It was, it was really cool, man. Going to festivals for the first time. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. That's <laughs> cool. All right, number two. Here we go. <laughs> Such a different drum sound. So cool. motif you build instead of a crash symbol you do the uh the hi-hat on the the of four it's really cool oh oh, oh. thanks when you're ready to fall floors and all before hindsight you will see i say we 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 are rich and so far high above so rad so that's walking on stilts by josh dion band yeah, yeah man and wow. that's a two-handed josh singing right that's a two-handed Josh, and we recorded that album in like one day or something because we had a Highline Ballroom show booked, and we had been recording with someone else, and it was just, we were so young and had no clue about how anything worked, and somehow the situation we were in, you know, and it was, I'm sure, partially our fault, or mostly our fault, <laughs> uh, we weren't going to be able to get this recording done with, with the producer we were working with, and so we realized that we had to go somewhere else and just do it ourselves and, and kind of, so that's basically just us in this room. We didn't know. I mean, I can tell that vocal sound. Holy shit. I would never let that happen now, but um, <laughs> I think it sounds great. Yeah. No, well, thanks. 
the drums also i mean it's kind of a rough sound somehow it works it's cool i mean that that song i just i really that just reminds me of like the first songs i ever wrote it i really like the chorus and i uh, love those people i actually just saw dan and sarah from that band uh, uh two days ago and we had a beautiful time catching up man i mean yeah i i like that song some of the songs we had in that band were really good and um and yeah it's crazy to listen back at yourself man you're killing me wow <laughs> good um yeah so that's from the album uh anthems for the long distance came out in 2008 yeah. people go check it yeah. out um yeah. and there's multiple albums from josh dion band but um all right so next one and then we can uh hop into a few more questions and then we'll get into your top five so okay. here we go <laughs> number three I love this song, man. This, this whole album's right. great. Thanks, man. Woo. I believe this tin and flimsy love To be treasure sleek and solid gold Tin or treasure piled or pressed in canyons That little turnaround there is really rad. Thanks. Oh, I love that. Those drums are nice. Dude, yeah, I, I agree. I'm proceeding, brace for the long haul. This is not to a click either. Let this chorus finish out again. I love that you allow yourself to get excited about your own music. I, re I really oh, admire dude, that. Because some get, people just I'm, close up and they're like, turn this gun off. I can't listen to it anymore. I'm embarrassed. Or, you know. <laughs> I'm getting chills. I forgot how much this song actually means something. Sometimes when we play it, it's like I feel it's a little bit of a pop song, which kind of I, I hate about myself sometimes. Uh, it's like almost too anthemic for where I'm at right now. Yeah. But you just playing that just gave me a lot of confidence in it again i i uh good i mean you know and i feel like i mean i remember coming up with that first verse bass line and and thinking it was just nasty and and obviously the production is so much farther than any of the other stuff you played uh, so much more developed uh i you know and and the vocal sound too i mean obviously because it's anthemic we did add a bunch of vocals to this and i was experimenting and i still love doing like an octave higher than my voice with like a falsetto mm -hmm. and kind of 
putting it back in the mix almost it, it basically is just mimicking an effect pedal that i have that i really liked at the time um and you can hear that like i'm developing the left-handed drumming and the synth bass you know and and that track was recorded actually by jeff and i and we brought it to the cats that produced lamplight uh josh kaler and owen biddle and we brought them that track and they brought it into the fold they actually mixed that after they had worked on all the other stuff and fucked around with the drum sounds and kind of made it sound like the rest of the record um not having probably you know i don't know how drastic it was but it definitely was recorded in a different room than the one that we did the other stuff so they 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 did a great job on that and 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 it was really really great man i mean i'm really happy you hear jeff's uh bass you know the way that he gets the feedback and um you know, and the low tune drums, you can see that I, I went for, with the Ulu, it was like more of kind of like the, I remember the uh, the high tune snare was really in back then. Everyone had like, even the left hand snare that was like a 10 inch or something. Yep. So dr- that drum and bass or whatever the hell it was, you know. And then with my band, it was more like, I guess just my rock Yamaha kit that I still use, the same the same kit basically. But then with Paris Monster, you can hear more of the low tuning um, and the left-handed drumming, which obviously that that song is a hook. The the drum yeah. part, the the drum part is you know da don don't ga, bon ga da 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 don don't ga, and and so that is the main thing that goes with this, and and it all works together, and that and that's that's how that was. So man, it's really freaking cool. Great. I'm um, happy that's the emotion you got out of it. I'm happy I can influence you that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm also in that band right now still. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like. <laughs> and so you mentioned it. That, that was from Lamplight, which came out in uh, 2019. I'm yeah. sure you guys had a bunch of plans for that <laughs> and had to be postponed. Uh, but, that's true. Um, but how do you feel, uh, and I'm sure you've gotten this question a lot, but how do you feel your, the drumming with the left hand has then, when you go back to playing with full hands, full hands, <laughs> all your yeah, hands, yeah. how do you feel like that has influenced it? Oh, you know what? It actually did a little bit. I mean, I don't know. Like, it, There's two ways to look at it. Uh, in one way, it's all music, so mm-hmm. who cares? Because agree, if you're, yeah. you know, if, it's, it's kind of like if, if you're... What's the difference? You're just making music. Like I shouldn't be doing anything that I've like preconceived anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like yes, you know. Um, so it's like if I'm just making music, it's like it's up to me to have the to, the the wherewithal to do that. But 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 I will say that like you know I've been I've been uh, touring with John Schofield just started this year, and so like that has been like oh shit like I'm playing drums and and it's I think it's definitely I come to these places where I'm like oh man I, you know I don't want to dog myself. But there's definitely times where I'm like, okay, I want to get downstairs in my basement and I want to start practicing more, you know, and, and kind of developing. It's more about getting down there and just like feeling what I'm feeling and being able to execute it. And and that's what my comfort level should be. I should be able to execute things. So we have to keep doing it to do that. You know, we have to like work on it and, and keep it fresh, you know, and try to get down and feel this. If we can feel the spirit with ourselves, then we'll have a higher chance of doing that when we're with other people. You know what I mean? So it's like, so that's, so, so it's like, I think in the end, the drums are really my instrument, you know? So, so it's like, um, more often than not, I have enough to give to any situation anyway. And it's my own mind that gets in the way. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but there are definitely times where I go to do something and I'm like, I don't know what I'm trying to do or I can't do it. 
and so that that's that's then it's like okay well then you practice you know what i mean yes like yes all right everyone i wanted to share some exciting news that the latest season of the podcast food on tour has just begun touring drummer and good buddy of mine mike robinson who plays with oliver tree he's covered a few gigs for me with cannons He's also played with K-Flay, Delwater Gap, Blame My Youth, and many more. He dives into mouthwatering conversations with professional musicians and artists to uncover their most cherished bars and restaurants to frequent on tour, from hidden gems to five-star meals at iconic establishments around the world. Fans of food, music, and travel can look forward to new episodes every Monday. So download Food on Tour wherever you listen to your podcasts and give Mike a, a, a sup for me. What a horrible way to end this. Cheers. Hey, y'all. I wanted to... (laughs) I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by 5.5 snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three-position strainer, 42-strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time, and then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember... Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour, and I didn't keep it, and I regretted it ever since then, just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time, and I just kept thinking about it, and so the opportunity to get it again was presented, and it is one of my favorite drums. So the Ocean Patinaed 14 by 5.5 snare drum. Check it out. Reach out to me. Go to Vessel Drum Co., the Instagram's just at Vessel Drum Co. and check it out. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Sounds great. Bye. Um, well, let's just jump into your into your top five. And I do. You mentioned Mr. Schofield, and I do want to talk about that. But I I kind of want to yeah. talk about it when we bring up uh, yeah, yeah. you know one of your top fives. But let's just yeah. let's just jump in. And this one, um, oh yeah, the God, album's this is crazy. <laughs> this album's Full Moon came out in 1972. The artist is Full Moon, and the song is The Heavy Scuffles On. The drummer's Philip Wilson, and this one, I couldn't find it on Spotify, so I have a link on YouTube, and so if you guys want to check it out, um, I'll put that link in the show notes. But here we go. Here is Full Moon, The Heavy Scuffles On. This is so good, dude. I was jamming out yesterday. Good. There's like an overdubbed hi-hat. Ooh, let me check it out. 
noticed that. I don't know if I ever noticed uh, the overdubs. You're totally right. There's two drum sets. Yeah. But th- there's a percussionist on the album, too. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what the hell's going on now? That's great. <laughs> That's so great. I mean, I put this on my top five because top five, I mean, who could possibly do a top five? I actually wrestled with it for like a couple of days. I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to try to represent everything that I come from, and it was impossible. But I had to put this album. Because for numerous reasons, uh, number one, that not a lot of people know about it, and I listened to it just countless times as a kid, um, and it's so eclectic. Like this first song is so incredibly funky and dirty, and now that I'm like my ears are far more developed, you know, I can hear it's you know it's not to a click. It's it's um there's like even one of the first notes the bass player plays is like really ahead you know and 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 the drum feels are choppy and like beautiful and and i just love the way that they play together and it turns out that a lot of these guys are from the paul butterfield blues band and they had come together to make this record full moon that was kind of really well known around musicians um and and now there's a club in the town that i'm from in eastern connecticut called the shabu and full moon came to the shabu and like musicians from the area talk about that being like this huge show like oh they full moon came there and played uh numerous shabu had huge you know artists come through it's mm-hmm. it's really a, a, a beautiful history that we have in my my area um well, I was two years old when the place burned down, so I never got to remember it. But mm. but Full Moon, Full Moon played there, and Full Moon is kind of a fusion band in a way. And Buzz Featon's playing guitar, and and it's got that beautiful tone of his. And then you know, second solo was a wah wah solo, which of course is 1972. Um, and just the way those guys play together, I don't know. I just had to put it on because I just it was probably the first time I heard an album that was had funk, had a ballad, had like kind of Latin jazz influences, had like gospel where they sing too. I mean, this band had everything, and everyone always said they were ahead of their time. Who knows? But um, <laughs> that 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 that's full moon. Now Philip Wilson ended up doing a bunch of avant garde stuff later in his career and i just thought that the fact that these guys were so well-rounded they, they really played everything and that's that's why i wanted to represent that in this album uh, in this uh podcast because because i just thought full moon what a cool it, you know if you talk to a lot of older cats they'll be like full moon <laughs> just hands down full moon they know they know about it <laughs> yeah awesome name for a band too full moon yeah yeah i mean <laughs> it's great i still have the old record i, I love it man that's awesome yeah they just yeah. look like 
five cool cats on that on that cover if it's if it's the blue one that i'm looking at it just says full yep, moon above that's, it that's the one yeah yeah <laughs> if you're just five cool people just put them on the cover um yep. all right so number two the album is open your eyes and the release year is 1972 so two years after full moon and this is earth wind and fire the drummer is uh morris white ralph johnson and and fred white and the song is mighty mighty so yeah, do you, want, do you want to talk about it before we play it, or just talk about well, see, it yeah, afterwards? There's so, many drum, there's so many drummers in Earth, Wind, and Fire, I'm not yeah. entirely sure who this is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might actually be Ralph Johnson, but I actually kind of don't know what I'm talking about. Because Maurice laid down tracks, especially in the beginning, it was usually him. Yeah. But, and, he, you know, and it's kind of hard to know. But, um, but I picked this album. Now, I'm, I'm a huge Earth, Wind, and Fire fan. I, I own, I think, pretty much all their records. And I picked this one because, once again, it's the most eclectic. It's before they had, like, international explosion success. Um, and there, there's all kinds of stuff on it. There's gospel. There's a samba. There's odd time stuff. There's a jazz song. There's funk, obviously, and, and the Earth, Wind, and Fire stuff. There's kalimba-driven music. I mean, it's... Anyway, and this is a song that, that did well on the radio and people knew about. It's called Mighty Mighty, and it's, it's a funk. One of the first funk songs I got into, it kind of, like, helped open the door for that. Hell yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Mighty Mighty. Yeah. playing is ridiculous <laughs> oh. that low note when he hits it is just yeah. <laughs> so cool. oh. and he holds it a little bit longer than you think he would yeah it's cool yeah. it's really cool Yeah, you mentioned uh, lettuce earlier. Adam has been on the show, and uh, I forget the song he chose, but he's like, yeah, if I'm ever in a weird funk or a bad mood, uh, I put on Earth, Wind & Fire. Within 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. I'm back. Oh. Yeah. That's so true. I I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, Earth, Wind & Fire, for me, you see, okay, so when I was about 12... Until I was about 16 or 17, I was a Pentecostal Christian. I had had a born-again experience and, like, was really into gospel music. And that was where I started singing and playing piano mm-hmm. and stuff and trying to do it, you know. Because I, I was a drummer. I was a drummer my whole life. But then I had gotten into that stuff. And, and you see, when I, when I finally was like, what am I going to do with my life? And I finally decided to move to New York to play jazz. Um, I, but socially, like, I think that I had been in this thing. 
for a long time, you know, which had so many great things. Like it kind of instilled this thing in me that I still have, you know, it's like it comes out of the music and life and stuff. It's beautiful faith or whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, yeah. But but Earth, Wind and Fire was really the band that kind of helped me uh, get into secular music again, I guess, you know, and it was like they had this spiritual message, uh, but the music was amazing and like they, you know, I don't know. It just, there was something about them that kind of like changed me and it, and it brought me into the fold with the funk and I started to get really into funk and, and, and I started to kind of come out of this thing. I was a little secluded, you know, and, and I started to get into it with them. And so I'll always cherish them for that. You know, the fact that, that their music kind of brought me into and while keeping that same spiritual thing, like, oh, you can be spiritual and still go out and make a living as a musician, you know, and, and you can like, you know, treat people with respect and like, try to like, you know, you know what I mean? It was like, I don't know. Yeah, like this. They have such a positive message, and they're all badasses, and they're all drummers. So oh, really? Like, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, well, Maurice White and Fred White are drummers. Ralph yeah. Johnson is a drummer. Philip Bailey's a drummer. They all play percussion. Um, you know, and and then and like you said, Verdine, who's their their other brother, he uh, he's playing bass, and 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 the way he plays is is abnormal. Like coming up with that part, uh, just so nasty. I mean, it's like yeah. And also, I'd like to point out, I love that the soprano sax, they had a soprano saxophone, a guy who played, probably played ten or two, but I think a lot of times it was soprano, and the way that Larry Dunn um, doubled the part with the synth. Oh, that, yeah. That, that saxophone and it kind of like the horn section, it wasn't the full horn section. They, they, they hadn't gotten, uh, I can't remember if Charles Stepney was producing them their, their stuff back then or not. I don't think so. So I think once they got to the full horn section and they got all produced and they started having those mega hits this was before that so it's still a little raw you know so it's i, I really dig that and i also remember like thinking how the hell are they singing like that because i my voice hadn't been woken up really yet and i i really had no clue how to i still don't have that kind of voice but just to like the magnitude of how, how great they are and the fact that they did that live yeah you know i mean that's i mean it's crazy you know it's insane while dancing and shit yeah it's really just inspiring. So before yeah. you got into funk, like what was what about funk was just like holy shit, this is this is it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think. Well, you see, I had been into blues, and mm. I and I think, and I've been into like Led Zeppelin, so I think I knew what a groove was still. But something about funk, the attitude, and and. Uh, I don't know. There's like something like I was like a nerdy white kid from suburbia who like heard Parliament. It was just like, wow, like what the? F this is completely different than the life I grew up in. You know, even though I was raised with music. So, I mean, I knew who, who Muddy Waters was, you know, but I hadn't been to the next level. I hadn't like chronologically gotten. I had knew Jimi Hendrix. You know, I, I might have even known Band of Gypsies, but probably didn't get it yet. You know, backbeat. Like, what's a backbeat? Oh, okay. Oh, that's what John Bonham does. Oh, good. He's got it from them. Oh, okay. You know, now I'm going back and I'm realizing like, and, and, and so it's like, yeah. And, and I, and I got Earth, Wind and Fire. Like I said, they're, they're so colorful. It's, it's almost like it's, it's punk, but it's pop music still, you know, but, but then there's all these diff different kinds of funk. Now I knew Tower of Power, but I didn't know. Um, the Gap Band. And so the Gap Band, the kind of the more on-the-one type stuff, then I really started to get into that. Uh, you know, and I started to, you know, really, like, I, I bought every record. I, I started to um, 
acquire funk music in any way I could, I started to realize that there was funk from different parts of our country, uh, you know, like the Meters and, and uh, Dayton, Ohio, with the Ohio players and Roger and Zapp at Lakeside, uh, San Francisco, Tower of Power and Sly and the Family Stone, and uh, Tulsa was the Gap Band, and, you know, then you get into the different Memphis with Al Green and the way that, that sound was, and all these different places that people lived and, and brought funk new york or you know obviously everywhere philly the philly sound i mean you know there's so many detroit obviously so it's just it's like all those different things they start to hear the difference between those things and it's like you're like wow this is never ending and then you've got funk fusion guys who like jazz cats who started making funk albums donald bird and george duke was the funkiest cat ever the isley brothers the isley brothers they went from being the, you know, the, the, a hit group started as a singing group and then moved into like the 60s and did all kinds of different albums, almost more acoustic. Then they became like this funk. They, it's almost like they took what Funkadelic did and they turned it into what they did or something. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Because I always associate them with that. The first thing you said. Yeah. Oh. Oh my God! See, I didn't put them on there, but it's almost sacrilege because because their material from 1973 to 1983 is just nasty. Hell it's yeah. so the funk the funk you just hold it it has arrived you see it doesn't it doesn't like it's not like i mean you can have a verse and a chorus i guess and you can build like mighty mighty to has a chorus and stuff but but in in many ways the funk is something that has arrived already you just hold it it's a feeling that you're keeping you know what i'm saying and yeah. and it's and it's and it's a party and it's also like you're bad you got to feel that you're bad and you got to feel that you can hold this and 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 make it dance dance and, and and you feel it so deep inside that you're like oh my god it's like it's imploding inside of me and i don't want to i don't want to move i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to play a fill with a crash cymbal because it feels so freaking good right now so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna hold whatever i got i i, I you know I, I can't move i was gonna say i i can tell what you just said about not doing the crash cymbal in in the uh like with the the second song I played, which is Walking on Stilts with you, I mean, like you're just holding that groove. You're admitting there's a little bit of a transition, but you're just doing that hi-hat on the of uh, four. Um, yeah. So I can see all those flowing through you just naturally. So I got to say that was probably one of the best answers of why is funk good. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. So, good. So thank you. Well, I mean, I, well, let me tell you, I'm a little obsessed with it still. I mean, people, <laughs> if you if you if you talk to people that I went to high school with, they they they'd be like, yeah, he had a problem. <laughs> oh, the funk guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, remember the, the him. Yeah. yeah, the funk guy. Yeah. Yeah, the funk guy. Yeah. I still, I'm, I'm still finding out about bands. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a never-ending, man. Yeah. Well, especially with technology, so many bands from that era that kind of were swept under the rug during the time are now being able to be found. Um, no, it's like the full moons of the world. There's like all these funk bands that were from different places that I like didn't know they existed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's go to number three, and so this is the chance to talk about Schofield a little bit. So the album's Loud Jazz came out in 88, and uh, it's Dennis Chambers on drums, and the song is Dirty Rice, and you said you wanted to play uh, at about minute 20. So yeah. let's, uh, yeah, and I did do that already, and it is a good spot okay. to be. Okay, thank you for doing that.
Ooh, that tom sounded great. This is like kind of an outro here, yeah. Wow. It's it's never not interesting, you know? I mean, once again, Schofield's writing is so gospel-influenced. It's it's incredible. Wow. Like, they're, they're moving around with the dominant chords, and Schofield has got this very major thing he's playing there. It's, like, beautiful and simple. And then Gary Granger on the bass, I'm noticing now that he's, like, kind of doing this chromatic do-do-do-do-do-do, and it kind of, it's making it... I don't know, it's not sweet or anything. It's still badass, even though yeah. he's major, you know? And and I just noticed that Dennis is doing, like, the broken... See, that's also funk, is, like, the notes you don't play. So mm. it's, like, one, two, three... You know, like, all that. Like, there's so much space, and, and there's so much anticipation. So that's such a beautiful way of describing funk also, is, like... Like when you take a solo in that kind of feel, and I and I chose that part because this is like a super band for me, because um, uh, George Duke is taking the keyboard solos, and and he's my my number one idol for for keyboards, or you know one of my heroes in in terms of that. There's so many great keyboard players. I, I just really always loved George uh, for you know his singing and his just a, he's just so I don't know he can do anything and. But I also just like how simple he played sometimes, mm-hmm. almost like a almost like a blues player or something, you know. Like he, even though he played with Zappa and he played with everybody, you know. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's accessible to me where I am harmonically right now. I'm starting to understand, like, oh, and I feel I feel it right here with George. And I loved Schofield. And and the thing that's interesting about Dennis and Gary is that you know it was a, a band Schofield, you know. Got those guys in the band, and Dennis was coming from P Funk, and Gary's coming from a band called Pockets, and they're both from the Baltimore area, and um, and Dennis was my introduction to funk in many ways, uh, along with Earth, Wind, and Fire, because of a VHS tape my dad had gotten me called Dennis Chambers in the Pocket. Mm, yep, that that came out on DCI. You know, I was like fifteen. I remember I let it sit on the shelf for a while, and then one night I put it on. And it had Sissy Strut, it had One Nation Under Groove, it had Schofield, uh, it had uh, Chameleon, and it had it had grooves that were on the one, like Flashlight, but then they would break it up and do the broken stuff, which was like super fancy and kind of coming out of more like the Garibaldi meets, you know stuff like that like in time sly stone like that kind of shit yeah and um and dennis had his own unique way of doing that obviously so and that was part of the fire that set me off and i went crazy on funk like and i was a dennis chambers fanatic and then so i got the schofield records with dennis chambers and 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 i think that the fact that these songs were you know harmonically thick interesting songs melodically driven songs beautiful but with dennis and gary doing that thing that they did with the slap bass and the drums and you know and george duke and all. i mean it was just that's why that's one of my favorite albums i i i just keep i still listen to it 
I still put on I still put on the vinyl, man. It's just I I love the ballads on that record. I, I just it's one of my favorites, man. And I'm now I've gotten to meet everybody except for George because he passed away. But I've gotten to meet and hang with everybody who was a part of that record at this point. Um, I haven't gotten to meet Steve Swallow, but he produced it. And and Schofield told me that they they actually flew out to L.A. Uh, him and Swallow. To, to do the George Duke keyboard solo. So I'm picturing them oh, coming wow. in, you know, and being like, here's the track, you know, and having him, because it sounds to me like a first take or a second take or or at least like just one take. He just kind of felt it. Like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it just blows some amazing shit over this, you know? So it's, yeah, it's really cool. I, I really love that record, man. God, it's freaking crazy. Well, and now I want to talk about Yankee Go Home Band because now you're playing with Schofield. So what? how'd that come about? Um, there's a great drummer by the name of Tony Le, uh, Tony Leone who who has is now playing with Little Feet. And he was playing with Schofield and he got the gig with Little Feet. And so they needed a drummer. And um, a bunch of people recommended me because he wanted to do something that was kind of older rock songs or folk rock, for lack of a better word. Um, and it, I think it's more stuff that, that, that reminds Schofield, you know, when he was first coming up, cause he wrote a bunch of songs too, that kind of remind him of something, you know, that from the late sixties or sixties. And, um, so the gig is like, you're playing, you're playing rock or funk sometimes, but then you're also opening it up and, and you're, you're totally conversing and improvising and everything can happen. Like it could go anywhere. We go free sometimes, which is like some of my favorite moments, um, to play that way with him. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a conglomeration of all the styles that I've ever heard Schofield play. Like, and so in my mind, it's such a joy because I'm getting to play kind of like any way that I ever heard on his records. You know, you're thinking of there's Dennis, there's Joey Barron, there's Steve Jordan, there's Bill Stewart, there's Billy Hart, there's Idris Muhammad, there's Adam. Adam Dice, then that whole band. I mean, yeah. the, like that was a whole, yeah, right, totally. When I think of Schofield, I think of him giving people, like, I, I hired you because I trust you, do you. It's, exactly. It's such a good gig, yeah. It's it's really cool. I, I feel like whatever I developed the past few years with the Jim Cambolongo trio, with Wayne Krantz, and we just uh, kind of becoming like, because I had moved to New York originally to play jazz, which mm. not just jazz, but improvised music and, and to, to find a sound and to have a voice, you know. And it's not like I didn't have that, but the singing really kind of gave me my voice, you know. Um, but then I got into Levon. You're like, well, listen, you're here. You know, it's Levon when he plays. So you mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you can't. You have to still, you know, you have to love the drums. You have to give to the drums. And and I think with Schofield, it's kind of like Paul Motion and, and all the free guys I've been checking out. Beaver Harris and you know Adam Nussbaum. The shit he did with Adam Nussbaum like a really long time ago. Those guys have been friends and and colleagues for a really long time. So all these bands he had, I feel like Al Foster, like. I'm trying. I'm just all that shit is running through me, and I and I can't help but be influenced by it when I play with him. So, um, and of course he said to me, "We want Josh." So it was just like, okay, well then I almost just need to shut my brain off. Yeah, you know. And so it's been really great, and you know, and once again, the back to the practicing, it makes me want to practice, you know, because I feel like there's a place I go with him in the band when when I'm not thinking. And I'm running on instinct where shit happens and the music goes somewhere and people are smiling. 
And there are times when I don't feel so great and the music isn't bad necessarily, but you can tell it may not peak as much or there may not be enough authority and the ideas I'm giving or I'll listen back and you know what I mean? So you're still, I'm still learning, you know, night to night um, on, on how to play together. And it's, it's so, it's so beautiful because the music's improvised. Um, these guys treat it like there are no mistakes. You, you almost don't want to say like, hey, man, like I missed that thing, like, you know, or whatever. Like, it's like, well, what did you miss? Really? You know? Yeah. Sometimes I'll come in and I won't know where one is, um, you know, and, and I'll jump off the cliff in that department or or sometimes we'll lose tempo and we'll just go free. And, and I'll start having, you know, think texturally and like there's a lot of that, too. It's, I, I mean, I'm so into that at this point. And anyway, I love John Schofield and I love his band. And I it, it's I'm it's a dream. It really is. You know, and I'm still getting it together, man. It's just constant. <laughs> I mean, the videos I've seen, um, you seem like you're it's just so in the zone. So I can see you're yeah. having a great time. And what is Thanks, a man. one? You know what I mean? What is the what one? is one? That doesn't no. even if he thinks of something and you come in, maybe the thought he had didn't know it was on your one. You know who knows? Well, and it's so crazy with drums because because I feel like I, I I do have an instinct of when someone turns it around. I feel like boom, a light bulb will go off, and I'll be like, we're in a different place right now. I'll just know, and and that's the instinct that you make music with. You know, it goes beyond like like you said, what's one. You know, so I can hear their phrasing. And when and when I can't and and but there are plenty of times when I'll be playing with them and I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. just, I'm, I'm looking for something to happen for me. I'll reset myself like five times during one song. You know, yeah. Like we're in the middle of some crazy section. No, you those know, are the best. Um, I mean, I don't play with people that improv as much as that, but it, it is so fun when everyone clicks on stage and you start laughing because you're like, what the hell was that? But that was so sick. I hope someone recorded that on side stage because whatever <laughs> yeah. happened was magical. But um, yeah. all right, for the sake of time, let's go on to number four. And uh, the album is number, uh, album, it's number four. The album is Testimony. The release year is 1992. The artist is Richard Smallwood Singers. And yeah. the song is Wonderful Counselor. And the drummer is Bill Maxwell. So this is also one I couldn't find on Spotify. So this is going to be a link that I'll put in the show notes. So clean sounding. Right? 92. The older I get, bass is the best instrument. Mm, Forget drums, dude. Bass is the best. I don't disagree. (laughs) 
<laughs> I still have to check out harmonically what that is. It's so cool. Yeah, Richard Smallwood. I mean, I, I put that on there because um, because of what it represents. I mean that that was that's kind of a an amazing, God, it's an amazing album. I mean, I I and I wanted to represent the Christian part of my development because I listened to so much Christian music in my teen years, where other people were listening to Nirvana and shit. I was listening to the Richard Smallwood singers and Phil Driscoll and like some other stuff that's even like way cheesier. Like this is like the the the, the good shit, you know. Um, but Bill Maxwell was in a band called Conania, which was kind of a fusion band that had Alex Acuna on percussion and um, and Abel Boreal and oh some badass, yeah. So and, and and it was Christian. So I think once again, I I needed that gateway, and I because my dad would listen to it and stuff. My dad is born again, you know, and, and so he, you know we would listen to Conania, and I remember being like, this is nasty stuff, you know. Not even realizing, like, Alex Acuna is, like, on heavy weather. You know what I mean? It's just, like, kind of crazy. Bill Maxwell was a meat and potatoes drummer who who I found out later was a producer, which I thought was really interesting. That like, A lot of drummer producers, they play for the song so well, you know? And and he produced tons of Christian music. And when I saw that, I'm, pr- I'm like, 90% sure he's the drummer on this. Like, for some reason, I always forget. Because, like you said, there's no... I don't think I have a hard copy of this anymore. If I do, it's like on a burn CD. Um, but um, Bill Maxwell, um, he he produced tons of this, and it's like it was a smaller scene than I thought. And I just thought it was so interesting um, that he was involved with this. When I found out, I was just like, "Wow, um, here's this guy again." And I remember, I remember, I used to hear him solo on Conania, and his solos were so. It reminded me of the way my dad played, kind of like simple, rudimental, not like flashy, not like Dennis or someone like that, groove oriented. And I didn't get it yet as a kid. I didn't get it that that was the shit, you know. I you know, and and now I hear that, and I'm like, okay, you know, that's that's amazing, and, and the way he plays on these tracks, and and then I found out how much stuff he had produced. So, um. Not to mention the harmonic shit that Richard Smallwood is pulling off is 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 really great on the record and yeah it's incredible. I mean gospel music is just another genre that's just like limitless. There's just so much and it goes back so far. So it's and and the gospel drumming is kind of a it's a, such a tight groove. It's such an it's such a it's so perfected. It's it's beautiful. There's not like a lot of uh, room for mess. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and everyone is so on and wonderful at what they do. And the tempos are incredible. And everything is tipping. The funk is like kind of on the top end of things. It's it's really it's killing, man, killing. All right, last one going to the great Mr. Gene Krupa. And this is a track that came out in 87, or this is a compilation that came out in 87. Do you know what, I mean, yeah. I don't know. This is, this is, this is what I had on cassette tape, you know, and I, and I know every note on it pretty much, you know, as a kid, just listening over and over. And I'm pretty sure this is the, some stuff he did with Jerry Mulligan as the arranger. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, the song is disc, disc jockey jump, and we're going to go to minute 122.
da boom da boom da. That was, that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just right back in, and just easy grooving. Yeah, actually, one of my first visual memories of a drummer is this video compilation my dad had of uh, of a Gene Krupa scene. From I'm assuming it's from a movie, but he was in this like downstairs where all the pipes were bursting, and he was just playing on like all the pipes, and they were steaming, and it was all you know obviously staged. But it was he, he yeah. didn't play the drum set till like minute two. He was just playing pipes oh, wow. the whole time. Oh, I gotta find that. I'll send you a link. I'm sure it's yeah. on YouTube somewhere. just plays the hi-hat. I mean, that's how it's done. That's how it's It's done. It's so good. I mean, it's obviously like a, a, a... a newer recording than most of the stuff with Benny Goodman or like any of the stuff that he did early on. Um, but yeah, I just chose that just cause I mean, I could have chosen so many things for Gene Krupa, but I, I had to put Gene Krupa on because when I was a kid, it was, that was my first love, you know, as, as, dr- as a drummer. And it led me to jazz. Um, my dad had a, a movie called the Gene Krupa story, which was Salminio. And I learned basically every move from that movie by watching someone else be him. But they did such a good job, and the soundtrack was obviously Gene Krupa, that it just led me to this whole thing of checking out early jazz. Um, and I started... My, my dad used to work at uh, the high school that I would end up going to, but I was about eight years old, I think. And I used to go summertime. There were no students, so I would go to work with him. And I'd go to the library... And they had Encyclopedia of Jazz by Leonard Feather, and they had all these old records. And I used to do studies. I would just like put on Gene Krupa, and I would then it would lead me to like, oh, who's Chick Webb? Who's Papa Joe Jones? Obviously, Buddy Rich. Uh, who's Big Sid Catlett? Who's Baby Dodds? I mean, I started to really get into jazz drumming. Sooty Singleton with Fats Waller. I, I that was another. I have this cassette tape I, of a of, of Fats Waller compilation that like. You know, I just wore it out. Like, I just, that was how I learned how to play jazz, was early jazz. And Gene Krupa, you know, he he did that, um, and he had, like, this way of playing. Like, it was a lot of singles and a lot of feel, and it wasn't so, um, it wasn't as, you know, complicated complicated or as as mean as like a buddy rich where you're just like okay obviously he's got some shit that no one else could do you know i mean it was just incredible gene didn't have that gene didn't have that he had like this vibe he had a vibe and people loved him and and that's why he you know he got involved in movies and shit like that i mean he was like a star you know he he was a front man and um and and so but swung his ass off and the way he plays on that track i just love like that kind of thing he would always do and it was he did get to that part like in in the middle of a solo you know what i mean he would always get to that thing where he'd like start building up the singles i mean i i think most of the old school drummers did that you know had a thing where they'd they'd get to the middle of their drum solo and they'd like do singles and 
It's because singles are the best, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and Gene obviously played rudiments. He's coming from that same thing that all those cats are checking each other out and stuff. It's it's coming from the snare drum. Mm-hmm. So that's what that was. But but yeah, he was as simple of a player as as it as it he sounds like sometimes if you were to like, you know, transcribe it or whatever. I just I remember my dad would really like encourage me and I, I used to do sing 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 and I would do all that stuff as a kid. So I really love Gene Krupa. And and, and no matter what I do, my 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 jazz feel kinda comes from early jazz. I can't really help help it. Um, you know, like all those cats. Uh Papa Joe had that same thing. He was a total showman. Mm-hmm. It was a show. You could just watch him play drums and that's enough. That's like that's a show in itself. You know? Yeah, Papa Joe was, was on one of those uh, was one of those clips in that video that my dad had. I forget yeah. which one it was, but uh, I remember. Yeah, I remember just the name wow. Papa Joe. I was like, oh, that guy sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, Papa Josh, that's enough. That's the time we have. And uh, I, I mean, we 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 did we talked about you playing with with the Schofield and stuff. Um, are you still playing with them? Is there things that people can check out, or what's the future of that? Are you releasing? Any albums you want people to know about? Um, yeah, just floor is yours. Yeah, well, Paris Monster is working on a new album, and, and yes. we're, you know we're really we're really getting somewhere uh, with that, and we're still playing shows. The Schofield Band is playing, uh, you know, certain times this year. Uh, we're going to be in Europe uh, in July. Awesome. And and uh, but then Paris Monster is also doing some shows and kind of kind of getting a, a game plan for maybe next year to kind of get back out there and stuff. Um, so it's kind of both at the time. And, you know, I've got a studio now. I've been just working on music and all kinds of different projects myself. And uh, aside from that, you know, I, I do some local stuff in New York and, um, you know, with some great players. You know, I've just met so many great people over the years. So I, I try to do as much as I can while you know keeping my own thing going and and obviously the Schofield thing was just such a kind of like out of out of nowhere Mm -hmm. kind of changed my life for a little bit um yeah but it's you know it really seemed like a good thing for me to do at the time just you know for for many reasons so it's just um but yeah so I'm gonna keep doing that and yeah you know I'm easy to find I mean I'm on I'm online way more than I should be and and uh (laughs) yeah you know, but usually I post what I'm doing for the most part. Dude, great, great to meet you, man. Um, yeah, and if same. I don't, great to meet you. If I don't see you in, in a few weeks, um, hope to see you soon, man. So okay, that'd be great. All right, man. Okay. See you, dude. Okay. Good night. Bye. Bye. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum, and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye!